Good morning, Real Life Church. Please find your seats. Thank you. Would someone let them know out there that I'm about to start? And honestly, what I have to say is so much better than what they're talking about. I know it. Good morning, Real Life Church. If we haven't met yet, my name is Melanie. Um, I'm married to Stuart and help lead this beautiful church that we call Real Life Church. I'm a mummy and a wife and a friend and a daughter and an auntie and all sorts of things. Um, This morning I'm going to share some things with you out of the Bible and I've invited my friend Phil who's also going to come up and share some things as well. We're hoping this morning that whether you are male or female in the room that you will be able to learn from some of what has been shared. I'm really hoping that God speaks directly into your heart. We preach here for life change because we believe that's what Jesus is like so please have a good listen. This morning we've called this preach Inside Out and we just want to talk to you about what it means to live inside out. I don't know about you, but over the years I have made some fashion howlers. So I don't know whether you can think back over photographs or even have a little look through Facebook and think, oh my gosh, what was I thinking when I wore that? I know it was in fashion, but seriously, what was I thinking? I remember begging my mum to let me have my hair permed. And um, yeah, most of the women in the room are groaning now because you know that this, you know, is bad because you also begged your mums to let you have your hair permed. And I had, at the time, I had very long, dark hair, um, probably just down to about here. And I, what I had in mind, you know, Nicole Kidman had that kind of spiral kind of curl. I went in with a picture like that thinking I'd like that kind of curl, like really loose, really long, just kind of a little bit messy. Um, what my hair does is, so I've got lots of hair, so it looks thick, but actually it's really thin. So when I had it permed, my hair that was very long kind of shot up. My brothers called it the Deirdre Barlow. And um, literally, uh, like, sisters, if you have brothers, I I feel your pain. Literally, they ribbed me until this perm dropped out. They would just go, oh, is Deirdre? And like every day just ribbed me about the Deirdre Barlow look. I once bought a pair of white I don't even know what I was thinking, to be honest. White linen trousers that had a zipper up the back so that from the front it all looked really smooth and really nice. And I went to this garden party, sort of early evening, sat down and felt the zipper give and thought, oh, that's interesting. Um, Thought maybe it had just come undone. Popped off to the bathroom, kind of holding my trousers like this. Realised that the zipper had kind of unpicked from the seam because I don't think you really should have zips there. So had to work out in the bathroom how on earth I was going to keep my trousers up for the whole evening. It was interesting. I bought a t-shirt once. I led a youth work when I was early saved and it was a youth work in a church in St. Neots that kind of grew and grew and grew and was a really nice 
large size and we were putting on an event and inviting loads of other youth works to come to it and I was speaking at the event and I was in my bench wearing phase so this was a brand of t-shirts and jeans and stuff I basically looked like they sponsored me so and I, I went to cult clothing I thought I'm going to buy a new t-shirt because I'm speaking at the event and loads of young people want to be uber cool you know so I'll buy this bench t-shirt I saw this grey one that had palm leaves on it and, and I thought oh, I just love that it's really funky really nice bought it we're praying in the bit before we're about to start, and one of the other guys on the team says to me, your T-shirt's interesting. And I said, oh, thanks, thinking it was a compliment. They said, do you know it's got marijuana leaves on it? <laughs> and I was like, no. I said, they're palm branches. They said, no, they're not, they're marijuana leaves. So, and I basically, it was literally five minutes before I was about to get up and speak. And so I had to get up and speak. And still to this day, if I bump into them at things, they'll rib me and say, remember that time when you got up in front of all those young people promoting marijuana? I was like, yeah, I do. Oh, I was so gutted as well. It was such a lovely T-shirt. Um, and then once I went to work, I, was, I worked for Clarks and I was in management and I, so I was young um, and felt like I was young in leadership and so I used to wear these really cut very nicely suits and look in the business and one of the days, it was a Saturday and on Saturdays as a manager I used to love just working the shop floor so I'd just pretend I was a salesperson for a day. And I just used to love it. And the shop got really hot. So I took my jacket off and I spent all day, I had this red cotton shirt on that was really fitted, really nice. And I spent all day, we got to the end of the day and we're sitting around, we're having a, we always, at the end of the day in, in the shop I worked in, we had chocolate and cake and tea and we just sat around and kind of debriefed the day. And one of the girls said, your label's hanging out there. So I, I looked down at my shirt and I realised that I'd been wearing my shirt inside out all day. I was like, and literally, I was like, I've had my jacket off all day and I'd worn it inside out. And it, to be honest, I didn't notice. It was such a busy day, such a hot day. And I got to the end of it, I thought, why didn't anyone tell me? I've spent all day with my label just flapping around. I doubt they even noticed. But I know what it's like to be vulnerable and have my insides out, really. So this morning, I want to just encourage us to live every day with Jesus inside out. I want to encourage us to live every day with Jesus, with what he's done on the inside of us, seen by everyone on the outside of us. I want to suggest to you that it's probably not going to be the most fashionable thing that everybody looks at and goes, wow, that's amazing. Some people will love what we look like. Others will be repelled by it. Some will enjoy how we live with our hearts on the outside. Others will think, why do you live like that? I want to encourage you to get really comfortable with living heart on your sleeve, living with what God has done inside of you on the outside. So we're going to look at three bits from scripture that talk about living from the inside out. I want to challenge you to live like this daily. So the first thing I want to ask you is who impresses you? So who do you feel impressed by? Who do you look at and think, man, they are impressive? If you read through the Bible, you'll see the things that impress God. And there's a bit in the Bible where Samuel is asked to anoint the next king. And Samuel 
who is asked by the Lord to go to Bethlehem and go to a family, a set family, he's asked to go to Jesse's family. And he's told that one of those boys, one of the sons, will be the king. And God has said, you're to go there and you're to anoint him. So Samuel goes and it says in the Bible that he took one look at a guy called Eliab and assumed that God would pick him. And then this is what the Lord says to him. So if you've got a Bible and you want to turn to it, you're very welcome to. If you don't, I'm going to read it to you anyway. 1 Samuel 16 verse 7. So I'll give you a second to just find that. 1 Samuel 16 Verse 7, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And it says this, But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way that you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. We have to assume that this guy was tall, strong, handsome. We have to assume because the way in which... Samuel checked the boys was in age order. We have to assume that he was the firstborn as well. So he was the first one that he saw and Samuel was clearly impressed by him. And God says, but this is not who I'm picking. This is not who I have chosen. Because you see, God was looking for a man not to impress the world around him. God was looking for a man that was after him. God was looking for a man who would dance before him without caring what everybody else thinks. God was looking for a worshipper. He was looking for a heart. He was looking for a man who would stride out and take Goliath down with literally God by his side. He was looking for David. So we know later on in that story that Samuel meets David, who is out in the fields looking after the sheep. He comes in, he's the youngest, he's probably dirty looking, and he's been doing a manual job. God was looking for him. He was looking for him knowing all of his faults, all of his failings. He'd have seen every one of David's days knowing exactly how he was going to behave, where he was going to fail, where he was going to succeed, and he picked him. The practical bits for me when I read things like that is I need to make sure that I look like God. I need to make sure that the things that impress me are not the things that the world are impressed by. So I want to encourage you or challenge you this morning, do not be fooled by outward appearances. Do not be impressed with what a person looks like, what they earn, what, be impressed with a person's heart. Be impressed with the things that impress God. Don't make quick judgments. Samuel made a really quick judgment. He looked at this guy, saw that he was tall, strong, handsome, firstborn, and just thought he's got to be the one that God would pick. We mustn't, as a church, think like that. We mustn't, as men and women, think like that. Be impressed with who people are from the inside out. When we value and honour people, it should be for what they are on the inside. And that takes time to get to know. You cannot judge a book by its cover. You need to take time to get to know people. I would say give your heart to him first. That's always what God's looking for. He's looking for people who will say, I'm going to love you first. As women, I really want to encourage you because I know what it's like to be a multitasking, crazy busy, 
crazy woman. I know exactly what that's like to have so many things going on and trying to attempt so many things. I want to encourage you as women to be women that love God first, that are prepared to worship him like no one else is watching, that are prepared to make the hard choices because actually it's all about him, that are prepared to seek out time with him because it's all about him. I want to encourage you as men sitting in the room to do the same, to be like David. So to succeed and fail, but to be a man who is after God's heart, to be a man who God has hold of, to be a man who God is able to direct and speak to and shape and encourage. And I think just a really important one for us is to remember that David stumbled and fell over spectacularly over and over again. When God is looking for a people that he would work with, he's not looking for perfection because he found that in Jesus. He's looking for people who are willing to walk with him when they stumble, when they fall, and when they succeed. See, when God is, is after perfection, he looked to Jesus to provide that. He never looks at you to provide that. Praise God, hey? He never looks at you to bring perfection into the mix. He looks at Jesus, and he looks at Jesus in you. What you need to bring is your honesty, your heart. That's all you've got, really. Let's be honest, because everything the world has to offer will fade away just like that. You can amass wealth, you can amass whatever you like, but it can be gone in a moment. All you have left is who you are from the inside out. And I would encourage you to be men and women that give your heart to him first. That when you stumble, when you fall, that you throw yourself at this God who is able to deal with that, who is able to cope with that and sees you and knows you. David showed real courage over and over again in many different situations. If you want to read up on him, he's found in the Old Testament. You can go on BibleGateway.com and just do a search for the name David, and it will throw up everything the Bible has to say about him. He's a great character to look at for highs and lows, and also to look at actually what was God after in his life. I'm going to invite my friend Phil up now. She's going to share some more with you, and then you'll get to hear me again. Thank you. Okay, if you don't know me, my name's Phil. I'm part of the leadership team here, married to Matt over there, and we um, are in charge of the worship team. So we have the best job. (laughs) Love it. Right, those of you who know us may know that a couple of weeks ago there was a little surprise that took place in the Yates household. Um, We have a cat that we've had for about a year. Um, And last, well, a couple of weeks ago, we woke up, it was on a Friday morning, to find our cat having kittens. You may think that's totally normal, cats have kittens, no worry there, but for us it was a little bit surprising. And it was surprising for two reasons. One, we didn't know our cat was pregnant. And two, we didn't know our cat was a girl. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I know. (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of what we said. so it was a complete and utter shocker that we woke up and she, she had had one kitten, but we then got to watch her having the next one. And once we kind of picked ourselves up off the floor, it was a really fascinating thing to watch. So we basically watched her have this little kitten. No one's too squeamish here, are they? I'm going to get a little bit graphic. Um, she had the kitten. She licked the sack off. 
She then went at the umbilical cord and chewed at it until she had completely severed it. And then she finished it off by eating the placenta. So, nice little model there for any pregnant ladies. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was disgusting. It was properly gross. But it was amazing to watch as well that she just knew what to do when she'd had this baby. No one had to tell her. She didn't have a little cat midwife with her. She just got on and did it. It was amazing. Of course, we told this story quite a lot because it's quite funny. Um, and the most common response we got from our friends, from our unsaved friends, was, wow, isn't Mother Nature amazing? And to me, that's just quite astounding that you can watch this cat go through this process, know exactly what she's got to do to look after her babies, and credit it all to some kind of ethereal idea that floats around the world. For me, that's just alien. There's no doubt in my mind when you look at that that our cat was designed and was created. She was. She wouldn't know to do that otherwise. And the only person who has power to do something as awesome as that is the ultimate creator himself. Now, I get to read one of my favorite bits of scripture, which I'm really grateful for. It's um, from Psalm 139, verse 13 to 15, and it's very famous. You'll know it. I'm going to read it from a mixture of the New Living and the NIV. It says, For you created my innermost being. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body, and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. Your workmanship is marvelous. I know that full well. There are two things I just want us to take out of this scripture. The first one is we were planned. Our birth was planned. We're not here by accident. Our existence was written into God's book before we were born. And the second thing is we were created. So who we are is not a happy coincidence. We didn't just turn out this way. God designed us and formed us, each one of us, according to his divine plan. That's why we're each so different, so beautifully unique, and that's how we're meant to be. So let's have a look at the first one. We were planned. It says later on in Psalm 139 that God watched as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born, and every year of my life was recorded in your book. This means that even before the world was created, even before the stars had been flung into space, God knew that you and I were going to be part of his creation on earth. It means that as he was sculpting Adam from the clay of the ground, he also saw your face and mine. He knew what we were going to look like. He knew what school we were going to go to. He knew if we were going to go to university, who we were going to marry, what we were going to call our children, where we would work. He knew all the great times we were going to go through, and he knew the really tough stuff. He knew. We were in his blueprint for creation before the beginning of time. We were planned into this story. You were planned. I was planned. Our existence here on earth is deliberate and intentional. We didn't appear as if by magic and we are no surprise to God. He was intentional when he created you and when he created me. We were intentionally, deliberately, with considerate thought, care and attention, designed and crafted by the almighty God. Every little part of you and me, he made for a purpose. We are God's workmanship and his workmanship is wonderful. Now, when I was prepping this, I felt like God said that there are some people here today who um, either you've grown up believing that or you know for a fact that you weren't planned by your parents, that your birth was a surprise. It was 
um, a bit of an accident, a bit of a surprise, and I felt like God just wanted to set you free from those feelings that you've carried with you as you've been growing up, that knowing that your birth wasn't planned has shaped how you've lived, and it's shaped how you've seen yourself, and it's shaped how you view God, how you think God views you. And I feel like this morning, he just wants to bring freedom into that area. And he wants to say that although you may have been a surprise to your parents, you were absolutely not a surprise to him. That before the creation of the world, your name and all the days of your life were written into his book. And I believe that he wants to set you free from that this morning. So if you do feel that's you, please come and pray with us. Pray with someone, a friend, a life group leader, one of the guys down the front during the worship or at the end. But please don't go today if that is you. God's, God's got freedom for you. When we know that we're planned, our place, that our place in history was carved out by the sovereign king of heaven, when we let that truth sink deep down into our hearts, it changes us. It changes how we live. It changes our perspective from a temporary earthly one to a heavenly and eternal one. When we approach every day knowing that we are here with a God-given purpose, it affects everything we do and we start to live inside out. Okay, so we know that we were planned. Our names were written in his book. We were also created. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your workmanship is marvelous. I know that full well. Now, I spent a lot of time in my teenage years looking at the people around me, reading teen magazines. Really bad idea, by the way. Don't read those. They're rubbish. Um, reading things like that, looking at guys who were kind of in the in crowd, if you like, at school, and always feeling like I didn't quite fit into that mold. Um, it felt like everybody was out clubbing or going to big parties, and that was what I was supposed to be doing and supposed to want to do. Now, I had a good group of friends, um, and we used to enjoy going out, but I've always been much more of a go-to-the-pub person than go-out-clubbing kind of person. And I felt that there was something a little bit wrong with me because, actually, I was supposed to want that other scene. I was supposed to um, look for that and desire that. Now, it wasn't until a few years ago I heard someone talking about personality types and the different characteristics of um, being an introvert and an extrovert. Until then, I, I knew those words, but to be honest, I didn't really know much more about them. And as I heard this person speaking, it was like a light bulb just went on in my head. It's like I wasn't a strange person that didn't enjoy doing what all those other guys did. I was just a classic introvert. So I went down the list, I read off the checklist, things like um, I love spending time alone to recharge. I don't like going out in big crowds. I'm shocking at small talk. Very sorry, by the way. Um, I, there's loads of things about me that are so classically introvert. So I went down this list and ticked off nearly every one. And I, it, for me, it was such a revelation because it was like I realized all of a sudden the way I'd been feeling wasn't strange or something to try and change, but it was the way I'd been made. It's the way I'd been created, the way I'd been designed. And I felt like I'd suddenly be given, been given the okay to feel and think the way I did. And as soon as I acknowledged this and embraced it, everything became so much clearer, became so much easier and became more fun. It felt like my identity had been given a little bit of clarification. When God drew you into his giant blueprint of creation, not only was his plan for your existence intentional and deliberate, but so was the type of person you were meant to be, the person he's made you to be. The way you are, the things that make you buzz, the things that get your adrenaline flowing, are put there by the creator of all things, and they're there for a purpose. Now, I'm a pretty creative person. I love making a mess. I love color. 
Um, but I'm absolutely terrible at knitting, really bad. I feel like I should be good at it, I'm really not. I've tried and tried. I even actually went to one of the first knit night meetings before they officially became knit night. And, um, and Fliss will attest to this. I just can't do it. It's absolutely terrible. I don't know how you take two needles, a bunch of wool, and make something you can wear. It just doesn't work for me. But I do know that when people do knit, when they set out to knit something, they don't just grab a load of random wool and a pair of needles and just go for it and see what comes out. They have a pattern. So they have a pattern, they have an intention, they know what they're setting out to make, they choose the right needles, they choose the right threads, they follow the patterns, and off they go. They have a plan. They know what it is they intend to make, and they choose the perfect threads to knit the perfect garment. Now, when God made you and when he made me, he didn't just grab um, a load of random qualities out of a box, throw them all together, and sit back to see how we turned out. He carefully and intentionally chose each thread, each stitch, each color combination to create us perfectly according to the plan he'd already laid out. And what I love about God is that he doesn't leave loose ends or unfinished bits. He ties everything together and wraps everything up so perfectly. His design for our lives is all-encompassing and complete. It's going to take Stuart for an example. He gave him a passion for books and for reading and for studying because God knew from the beginning of time that his call over Stuart's life was to lead and to teach and to train people in the scriptures. And to do that, it would be so much easier if he had a love of books and a love of studying. So he put that right into him. He gave me a passion for music from a really early age. From young, I was always singing and making music at home, much to the irritation of my family, yep, who are nodding at me right now. Um, but I just loved it. I just love to sing. I just love music. When God made me, he took the musical thread and he wove it into the very core of my being. I, I thought nothing more than it simply being something I enjoyed. I had no idea that those piano lessons I had when I was little would one day lead to me being asked to play in a worship band. I had no idea that that would lead, me, lead to me being asked to sing in another worship band or to eventually lead a little bit of worship in a student band or then eventually to go on and to lead worship teams. I had no idea that all the tunes that were constantly running through my head were one day going to get written down on paper and sung by people in church and were going to be used to help people encounter God. I had no idea about this, but God did because it was in his plan from the very beginning. So God calls us to serve him in the areas that make our hearts sing, which I just love. His love has so many beautiful depths and layers, and this is just another way of him showing us his heart. So what is it that makes your heart sing? What do you just love to do? What gets your juices flowing and gets you fidgeting in your seat because you can't sit still with the ideas that start buzzing around you? What makes you want to jump up and say, yes, that's me, I'll do that? Have a little think. That's not an accident. That's God and the passions he wove into the core of your heart, into the core of your being, while he was knitting you together in your mother's womb. Once you've identified what it is that you love to do and that gets you buzzing, run with it. If it's music, come and talk to Matt and me. If it's people, go and talk and see how you can get involved in life group. If it's numbers and lists and strategies, talk to someone and see how you can get involved in organizations and planning. If it's making and baking, get making, get baking. Take your things out to your neighbors or to your kids' school. Get involved and run with the things God's already put into your heart. Identify what kind of person you are. Own it and use it to encounter God powerfully. I'm creative, as I've said, so I love being surrounded by color and pretty things. 
So when I sit down to talk with God and to read his word, I always have stacks of paper around me, colored pencils, um, generally flowers, music playing, just lots of pretty things because that kind of environment just stirs up my soul and lifts my spirit. And I find I encounter God through things like that so much more and so much easier. It does that because that's how God intentionally designed me and made me and how he's best going to speak to me and how he's going to use me. And he did the same for you too. God's calling us to find that extra layer of who we are in him, who he's made us to be and to walk daily in it. Don't try and fit into somebody else's mold. Don't try and be what you're not. God has made each of us completely unique and he wants us to grasp the things that make our relationship with him different to everybody else's. When we do this, we walk in so much more freedom and richness given to us by the one who came to give life. Guys, walk in the freedom that comes from knowing every little part of you was intentionally designed and woven together. Live life and life in all its fullness, looking for God in everything you do, however seemingly ordinary to you. God's already set you on a path. Don't stray from it. Embrace it. Enjoy it. Run down it. And you will find your relationship with him blossom and you'll encounter him in new and exciting ways. So you and I were intentionally, deliberately, and with considerate thought, care, and attention designed and crafted by the almighty God, every little part of you and me. And he made us for a purpose, a purpose specific for your life that only you and he together can achieve. You were planned by the author of life. You were created by the great I am. You are God's workmanship, his masterpiece, and his workmanship is wonderful. We know that full well. And then lastly, we're going to look at what concerns you. So if you turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter 3, and I'm going to read 1 to 6. So 1 Peter 3, towards the end of your Bibles. If you don't have your Bible with you, that's fine. I'm going to read it to you. If you don't own a Bible, we would seriously love to sort that out for you. So it is something we would spend money on over and over again as a local church, placing the Word of God into your hands. It is the most valuable, precious book you'll ever own, and it has the ability to pierce through the hardest of heart to divide things. So it's, it's incredible. So if you don't own one, come and chat to us and we'll help you with that. So 1 Peter 3, 1 to 6. In the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. Then even if some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. They will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. Don't be concerned by the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. You should clothe yourself instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. This is how the holy women of old made themselves beautiful. They put their trust in God and accepted the authority of their husbands. For instance, Sarah obeyed her husband Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters when you do what is right without fear 
of what your husbands might do. This is instruction for wives. If you're a wife in the room, this is instruction for you. However, I think whenever we read the Bible, there are principles to be gathered from what God is saying, whether it's to wives or husbands, there are principles that we can pull out. So I'm going to expand this to women, and there are principles we can pull out, but I'm also going to expand this to men and women, because there are principles found within this chunk of Scripture that we can pull out and we can learn from. Honestly, I want to say this up front, I don't think what this verse is encouraging is us all to let ourselves go and not bother with brushing our teeth, brushing our hair, wearing our clothes, just let it all hang out and just whatever will be, will be. I don't think that's what this is encouraging at all. I think it's what it's saying is what concerns you, what consumes you should be the things that are found on the inside. So I get my hair cut. My, everyone has a favourite feature, maybe only if you're a girl, but like most of the girls I know have a favourite bit about themselves. Mine is my hair. And I love my hair, and I learned a long time ago that if I go to a cheap hairdresser and they do a rubbish cut on my hair, it puts me in a bad mood for about the time it takes for the hairstyle to grow out. So I worked out a long time ago that I would rather have my hair cut less, but have it cut decently. So I go to Tony and Guy. I've been going to Tony and Guy since I was 20, and I get my hair cut. Because now we earn less than we used to earn when, when we both had two full-time salaries, I get my hair cut less, but I still go to the same place because I like it there. And they look after me, and I always come out with my hair looking like I want it to look. Anytime I've strayed, it has gone horribly wrong. And Stuart, one, I remember Stuart saying to me recently, I said, I'll find a cheaper hairdresser, yally at it. He was like, please don't. He said, honestly, like, it's just a waste of money. Like, go, go there, please. Um, so I get my hair cut there. Uh, the clothes I wear generally are from Fat Face. If I had 40 pounds to spend, I'd rather own one item that is really nice and wear it to death than 10 items that cost four quid. That's, that's just the way I am. That's what I like. So, you know, I like what I like. I also recently have lost some weight because I wanted to address my physical body. I've done that for two reasons. One, I recognize as you get older, that gets harder. So I don't want to leave it till I'm loads older. Secondly, we chose to have our kids later on in life, so I want to be able to run around after them as much as I can for as long as I can, so I want to stay fit and healthy. Those were my decisions. My value before God is not based on any of those things. He doesn't love me any more or any less because he loves who I am on the inside. So those things don't matter in that respect. They don't consume my life. I'm not consumed by them. They're not the things that concern me. They're not the things that drive me. They're just the things that I sort out. What I want to be concerned by, consumed by, sits on the inside. I understand that who God has made me to be and how he has wired me up is done by him, designed by him, and I want to make the most of that. I think it's talking about taking care of our hearts, taking care of our insides, putting attention into it, putting resources into it, taking and making time for it. So it's about on a morning not spending an hour getting ready and then saying, I don't have time to meet God this morning. 
It's saying, actually, I'll cut that routine back so that I have time to meet with God. So if I'm going to compromise something, I'll compromise that, not this. So it's looking at what consumes us, what are our priorities. I think one of the other things which I know is not very popular in society is also talking about authority. So our hearts need to be for those in authority over us. Be that our husbands, be that our church leaders, be that our bosses, be that our government, be that whoever, it matters how we feel because it determines our behavior. So looking at how, we, how our hearts are towards those in authority around us. Whenever I read passages like this, I think, man, I've got to check my heart is right because out of my heart will flow behavior. I've got to check my heart is right so that I can serve and love and run alongside my boss, my husband, my church leader, my, the government that's put in place, whatever is around me that, that God has asked me to submit to, to get behind. God is saying, concern yourself with the kind of beauty that impresses him, the kind of things that impressed him. I consider myself to be really blessed because I have a bunch of girly friends who are utterly beautiful and they love Jesus, they love their husbands if they have one, they love their kids if they have them, they're, they're, they're good in their workplaces, they love their families, they love their friends. What I know about all of them is that they are beautiful from the inside out. What I most love about them are not the clothes they wear or their hairstyles or their whatevers, are the people that they are inside. What I love is when I see their generosity, their kindness. What I love is when I see them uh, talking about their relationship with Jesus and how he's changing them and molding them and shaping them. What I love is when I see who they are inside just flowing out of them. It's, it's what I really love about them. What I know about these women is that they cultivate their own personal relationships with God where they're looking for him to change them on a daily basis. What I know about these women is they're asking God, what are you saying to me and what are you doing? What I know is that sometimes they come to me and say, God has brought this up in my life, what do you think? Have you noticed this in me? Do you think this is something I should address? I love that. I just think, man, there's such humility there, such grace there. They also, all of them, happen to be very beautiful on the outside too. But I think real beauty comes from within. But this is a major challenge for us when we live in a society that is obsessed with what you look like on the outside, what you earn, what car you drive, where you eat, what designer labels you have. When we live in a society that is driven by that, to be concerned with your insides is countercultural. It's going upstream when everything else is coming downstream. And it's, it's just hard sometimes to make sure we're getting this one right. So I want to challenge you, firstly, as women, prioritize your insides. 
Prioritize your hearts. Prioritize the things that matter to God. Celebrate with one another the things that matter to God. I am not condoning you just letting yourselves go. I think we have a responsibility to be able to run the race that God has marked out for us. Some of that will be because we physically look after our bodies and make sure we make it to the finish line and make sure our lives are not cut short or robbed by health due to something that we could sort out ourselves. I want to encourage you to be women that read your Bibles, that don't think to yourself, I've got so much to do today, I won't be able to fit that in. I want to encourage you to make the choice not to be those kind of women. I want to encourage you not to pick up magazines and desire to be someone you're not. I want to encourage you not to be impressed by what the world is impressed by. I want to encourage you to look at developing a spirit that is gentle, that is kind, that is self-controlled, that is patient, that is good. And we only find those things, if I'm honest, in Christ. We only find those things in him and not in and of ourselves. I want to encourage you to be consumed and committed to your inners and to check one another on it to say, I love that about your heart. I love that about your service. I love that about who you are. To really reinforce that. So some practical bits there. Sort out your personal walk with Jesus. I think really beautiful hearts are found there. And I know myself, if I neglect my walk with God, what people get to see is who I am without Jesus. And I have to be honest, who I am without Jesus is average and sometimes pretty nasty. Who I am with Jesus is way more impressive when I'm spending time with Jesus, when I'm loving Jesus, when I'm concerned about what he's concerned about, what flows out of me looks better. I'm a better mummy, a better wife, I'm a better, I'm a better everything when I am connected to him. So I want to say, sort your personal walk out with Jesus. Whether you're a man in here or a woman in here, make that your priority. You don't leave the house with no clothes on. You remember to do that every day, don't you? I've not heard any reports of real-life church turning up at work naked or turning up at the school gates or whatever. You remember to put your clothes on. Because actually it's part of your routine, it's what you do every day. And quite frankly, it would be awful to walk out the door without them. You remember to do that, remember to clothe yourself in him. Remember to daily go out dressed in the things that he has for you. Remember to daily put him on. I would say, secondly, sort out your attitude towards men and women in authority in your life. And I recognize that that is a struggle. I recognize that that's a battle, but actually that's one we need to be winning. That's one we need to be going to God on. So if you have people in your life that are placed in authority over you, willingly submit to them. There is something beautiful about willing submission. I like to think about it like a great big wide open green space that God has put some beautiful stone walls around to take care of his people. So he's saying enjoy every bit of room but there are boundaries. 
There are places where you can go up to, but there are boundaries. Enjoy the wide open space, but allow the people in your life to help you with the boundaries. Allow there to be some headship. It is truly honoring and truly beautiful when we get this one right. And then lastly, put on the Holy Spirit daily. Our body is a temple for the Holy Spirit. Our body is the place where God lives and dwells by his spirit. It it can be a beautiful thing. And I want to encourage you to just practice daily putting him on, daily inviting him in, daily saying, change me, transform me, use me. It's It's a great way to live an exciting way to live. So we're going to finish there. We're going to worship Jesus. I want to challenge you to live inside out. Both Phil and I want you to read your Bibles, understand who you are in Christ, and live out of the good of that. If you are a woman here this morning, get it straight in your head. The way that God determines beauty is inside out. That doesn't mean let yourself go, but it doesn't mean be consumed by that. It means be consumed by him. Let's stand real life church. We're going to worship our lovely God. We are definitely going to be praying. We'll make sure all the women in the room get prayed for this morning and blessed this morning. Where do I go? Sorry. Before we um, put any words up on the screen, before we start to sing a song, let's just take a moment to stand. Perhaps it would help to kind of close your eyes and just dwell on some of those words about how, how God has planned you, God has created you, God has made you who you are, and as God looks down on you, as God lives within you, He knows your beauty. We were praying this morning before the meeting. Someone shared a word with me and just said, just God wants you to know that he's smiling on you today. I think that's for all of us. I found that talk really encouraging just to sit and just think, this is how God sees me. This is how much God loves me. So we're just going to stand here for a moment.